Xander Faust, Permaculture Perspectives. I wanted to share with you today some of the vision that underlies permaculture and the design modality. The real focus I wanted to get into was how permaculture emerges as a response and solution to the real challenges of our age. And it offers us very unique insights and perspectives that I'll be sharing with you that I feel are transformative and really ultimately invaluable when it comes to beginning to gain some real understanding about some of these more, shall we say, timeless human conundrums that we are inheriting as the present caretakers of planet Earth. And one of those conundrums is how do we transform human societies from pitting themselves against one another and begin to have ways of living, cultures, and societies that are truly about compassion and cooperation and creating a better life together on this planet as we continue inexorably to rocket around the sun in outer space. And as we ride Spaceship Earth each year around the sun, remembering it's a finite planet, 24,901 miles in circumference to be exact, and 70% covered in ocean, with most of us squeezed onto that 30% of land that makes up terra firma of Mother Earth. And as we walk about on this planet and live our lives here, permaculture offers some pattern language recognition of the past. And as we explore the past, as we practice our capacity to be what Uncle Bill called time scouting, we will look into the deep past of the earth to find clues into what are some of the most effective ways to achieve the good life. And we will also be exploring projections into the future based on this pattern recognition of our past, which will help to inform our trajectory and some of the potholes in the road that we need to be sure and avoid as we continue to orbit the sun. And the Earth is something that has knowable variables to it, and one of the things that we also know about our own species is that we generally respond to, as does most life on Earth, uh, positive reinforcement going towards that 
which feels better, tastes better, and smells better, and going away from things that are noxious and putrid and generally devoid of any attractive characteristics. This is a hardwired biological, evolutionary, visceral awareness that all, it seems, mobile life forms on this planet have. And as we select for things in our environment by being drawn towards and increasing the availability of what it is that we enjoy the smell of and the sight of and the taste of and the sound of, we create an earth that has more of this beauty to abound about us. And so, in that light, in that viewpoint, I like to bring in this way of thinking about what really are some of the best incentives for positive change. And I'm suggesting through this lens that I'm putting out there that really fear is no way to bring about really the kind of results that we're looking for. Fear-mongering, asceticism, deprivation, philosophical viewpoints that really at the end of the day rest on a presupposition that there isn't enough to go around and that the way forward is to be in a modality of frugality. And I would suggest that that is not what permaculture is offering as a vision. The permaculture vision celebrates the abundance of the fecundity of Mother Earth and recognizes that the sun is blazing all day long and it is giving us somewhere in the neighborhood globally annually of about 16.9 trillion watts of energy. And when we actually look total worldwide, we'll find that the total amount of energy yielded by solar income is actually 580 trillion watts with wind coming in at 400 40 trillion watts. I'm sorry, that's 40 trillion watts. The global demand by 2030 will be 16.9 trillion watts. And so, right now even, just the energy coming on to the Earth, if we were to try to, say, power our present infrastructure off of wind, it would take about 3.8 million turbines, according to Mark Jacobson from MIT, who wrote a document you can download for free from online, whose title is Wind, Water, and Solar. And he's doing some analysis to show the way forward to a 100% renewable grid. And some of the thought constructs he's offered us that are so useful that I'm synopsizing for you here are ways for us to get our minds around 
the real scale and the, frankly, doability of achieving this retrofit retooling of our infrastructure. So how many wind turbines would it take to provide all the world's power needs? It would actually only take about 73 million wind turbines. I'm sorry. We make 73 million cars and trucks every year, and it would in fact only take 3.8 million wind turbines to produce all of the power that the world needs, and we wouldn't be doing any mountaintop removal in order to achieve that. And if we combined those 3.8 million wind turbines with about oh, 89,000 photovoltaic panels, which takes up about the same area as the island of Manhattan would take up with solar panels, we would be able to provide all of the world's power needs. So there's more than enough to go around, and the times they are changing, and the sway that will begin a dance that goes in the direction of health and prosperity for our species in our orbiting around the sun, the sway in that dance will need to move towards the celebration of more than enough to go around. And the real incentive to move forward with that is not because we're about to run out, not because of fear of what might happen because of climate change, but actually because it is a better way to live. And that when we begin to switch our message from being one of fear to being one of positive recognition, then we also bring about an entirely different energy behind the change that we create. And understanding that psychology is a key part of how permaculture approaches this solution process. We, as a community of educators in permaculture, have a kind of unspoken framework where we look at maybe a third of our energy being put towards the problem, so to speak, of analyzing the problems wherever we are that we're wanting to change. And about two-thirds of our time articulating, working on, and analyzing the solutions for where we are and what are the topics and issues that we are passionate about. And so, with that idea of creating more than enough for everyone on this planet, we need to recognize that permaculture's emphasis on these recombinant ecologies, these participatory landscapes that we create through interaction and co-creation over the next several generations are something that are essentially more joyous and hopeful for us to be creating 
as a culture and that these long-term landscapes of prosperity will instead of exerting a dark shadow of toxic legacy over the next several generations as right now the present infrastructure does we will be leaving a long hopeful vision that expands out into the future over many many generations a vision that will begin today with tree plantings and riparian zones that will provide us with multiple benefits and we will begin to give the rivers the waterways and the headwaters of all of our streams and lakes the care and attention and respect that they deserve these are some of the most sacred and important ecological places on our planet especially as terrestrial organisms human beings depend greatly on fresh water and spring water which is less than 1% of the water on the earth and as we celebrate abundance with our permaculture understandings of there being more than enough we bring about that abundance as a reality by planting these landscapes in long term assemblages that will both provide near term and mid term yields that are increased and more self maintaining as well as providing long term yields for future generations that we cannot even begin to quantify for instance what a english walnut tree the one that yields really nice eating nuts that we buy in the store those trees at 30 years will be yielding hundreds of pounds at 150 years they will be yielding thousands of pounds trees nut trees especially as they mature begin to produce yields that expand exponentially beyond especially these upper canopy hardwood trees what they would produce in their early first several 6 to 7 decades And as we plant out these riparian landscapes with these both polycultures where we combine both natives that are wild and necessary for the coevolutionary health of the waterway ecology simultaneously interplanting with that where appropriate for harvest value added varieties of trees with domesticated types of nuts and berries and fuel wood and building materials and medicinal crops and so creating these multifunctional long-term landscapes of prosperity is part of why we in our courses emphasize quite a bit looking at watershed protection and watershed planning as one of the foundational leverage points for creating a new economy and a new infrastructure and as the framework to adapt how we're farming where we're farming and what we're farming to and adapting to the places where we are is a key permaculture strategy where we look to defining first the weather and the rainfall levels and the maximum and minimum amounts of temperature and light levels that we're going to get and then we fit 
parameters, the vast palette of options that are afforded to us from all of the selected varieties that our ancestors created over the last 7,000 years. There are over 4,000 varieties of plants that have been domesticated throughout human history. And really, criminally enough, only about 150 are widely cultivated and just four provide 60% of the agribiz toxic waste that is often called food and sold on America's grocery shelves. Only four crops provide 60% of that. Rice, wheat, soy, and corn, GMO varieties. So we've spurned the cornucopia of abundance that our ancestors have left us, which holds open a door of 4,000 varieties of plants and over 53 species of animals that have been domesticated throughout human history. And we need to give thanks and appreciation to that cornucopia of options and recognize that by becoming gardeners, by embracing in the engagement with our past, by saving seed and creating new varieties, we will evolve a plant community that is completely new to the region where we begin to have them adapt generationally to the places where they are, as will, of course, the tree crops become more adapted to the places where they are and begin to hybridize and proliferate on their own, especially as they are protected under long-term easements and allowed to have the edges blur more wisely between cultivated landscapes and wild landscapes. And so today, I'm going to wrap it up with that and share with you through these ideas, this idea that in fact, abundance, celebration, not fear, are what are going to draw us nearer and nearer to each other on this planet and to creating the future in the present that we are all so looking for. Thank you for listening. And come and join us here in Ellenville for some of our classes. We're excited to be offering a really unique educational experience on a campus that has a very rich immersion experience available for you. So check us out at permaculturenewyork.com and the Center for Bioregional Living. And we look forward to hearing from you. And I'll be sharing some more thoughts, ideas, and insights next week. Be well. I'll be ending today's talk with a song that I just did on our porch here in Ellenville with my daughter, Juniper, that I'm proud to share with you. Enjoy. Enjoy.